0: Hello, everyone. This is Chris from the Summit Up podcast, just giving you a little message before the episode starts. I recorded my audio on my laptop built in microphone. So my quality is quite terrible. And I just want to give you an apology about that because it was hard for me to listen to while I was editing. And I thought this was necessary. So hopefully you can listen to the episode and have some sort of a laugh or if you want to laugh at me and hopefully that brings you joy, happiness and bliss. And without further ado, let's get to the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Summit Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever we want. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast stuff at. My name is John, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Chris. So, Chris, how you doing?
0: Uh, for those of you who get your a- Apple or you get your podcasts on Mars, you know, thank you for visiting us. Thank you for listening to us on Mars. We really appreciate it.
1: We're really getting out there, man. Really networking here.
0: Networking, yes, with Marvin the Martian. Who? Who I've always called Marvin.
1: <laughs> that had nothing to do with what we talked about before we hit record.
0: No, his name is not Marty, it's Marvin.
1: Exactly. So, Chris, we've got a couple couple stories to talk about today, but they all are under the umbrella of talking about streaming services. Um, so if anybody's look, looking at the news lately and we're talking about streaming services, I think the first big thing we have to hit on is the fact that Quibi is shutting down after six months of service. So if you are probably about, I'd say, like 70% of the general populace, and you don't know who Quibi is or what Quibi is, don't feel bad, that's okay. It's really not that great of a streaming service. So it's Quibi, for those of you who don't know, is or was, I guess, uh, designed to be a uh, mobile streaming service to where you could go check out five minute chunks of content at a time just to kind of help the day go by, but not really have to commit to long 30 minute, 60 minute episodes for things. So uh, there was some pretty great content on it at the time. Um, I, there was the Reno 911 reboot uh, where they, they brought the cast back and they were doing new episodes for it. Um, they had some great A-list directors and uh, actors, actresses on it. So it it seemed like on paper it was going to be a success. And then out of nowhere, they the CEO of Quibi just came out in the last couple days and said that it was shutting down after six months, um, that they were out of money, that they were heavily in debt, and that they couldn't sustain this model anymore. Um, so Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to read um, just a little bit about maybe one of the big failings of Quibi, and then we'll kind of talk about it. Um, oh yeah. So I was... See those big, those uh, big failings. So this is this is different from what anything else is doing at, at right now. Um, no other major streaming service is doing this, um, but I'm taking this from a uh, an article that I'd read about what's been going on about it. Um, so Quibi is is having trouble selling uh, its con- or its content and its app as a whole. Um, they are trying to auction off individual shows or the whole streaming service, but they try they're having a hard time finding a buyer, and that. Partially is because uh, Quibi actually doesn't own any of its own content. Um, They were trying to bring in the best and brightest in Hollywood and trying to be like a safe place for content creators to go do whatever they wanted. Um, So Quibi initially offered each of its partners this sweetheart kind of deal where Quibi would pay both to produce the content and to license the programming for an exclusive two year period. Um, After that two year period ended, Quibi would still be able to show the programming on its app, but the content creator would then be able to stitch together the short five to 10 minute segments into a television film or show and resell it to another buyer. So they didn't actually own the rights to anything that they were putting out. They were paying on top of paying on top of paying, and they offered people a three month free trial before or when they signed up for the service. So for half of this app's lifespan, they had people not paying a dime. Um, so they're obviously paying a, an enormous amount of revenue out, not taking any revenue in. They were almost $2 billion in debt by the end of this for, from its investors and, and the things that they were paying to produce. Um, so, Chris, why? What, what? What's your take on all this? Why do you think this happened? W- what? Why?
0: So... I really love this story because it's a myriad of factors leading to the demise of Quibi. And I think you hit the nail on the head and one factor, that's how that saying goes. I'm getting over that, that stump in my head, but uh, (laughs) for sure it's easily the way they view it. It's very much the way they're like, you know, a five minute segment and we're going to have this hyper produced. That's old television media mindset trying to do the new wave of media there is no revolution you're trying to make something that should be 40 minutes five minutes when you're you're kind of losing the essence of what it is you're doing snack bite content but you're trying you're using the format of something that has a budget of 40 million dollars for a television show it doesn't make any sense at all you have people on youtube you have people on twitch who do you had people on vine that used to do this thing and TikTok right now where you do a minute show you know, where you do a minute uh, clip or 40 seconds 10 seconds and it's just somebody at home you need people like that you don't need to pay someone like anna kendrick you need, you don't need to pay idris elba and have these excruciating costs and it's just you need to have different content you want to give me a show in 10 minutes the most important thing about viewership in the new online world is not about getting the view it's about getting the extended view having someone sit there for that five minutes not just someone getting a hit quick and leaving at the one minute mark that's what these streaming services are really looking at and that's how people are able to maintain large communities it's not the old model anymore anymore don't be a dinosaur and quibi was invested by dinosaurs and that's one reason why i think it failed and the second reason and you also said it was the ninety day trial. Ninety day trial. No gym. No streaming service. No Amazon. No nothing. You don't try something for ninety days and send it back. Thirty you talk about thirty-day guarantees that happens with that happens with like some of the best healthcare out there. That you have a thirty-day guarantee. You ain't got no ninety-day guarantee. What the heck is that? It's so crazy to me that they said 90 days that is the most insane way to give away a product and not get a return on your investment so that's to me that second reason that I just put out there is probably the most boneheaded move that could have easily been fixed fixing productions and how your model that's a lot harder to do but this was easily like a CEO could just be like 90 days stupid idea you know if you want to be in for the long haul and this is the worst part about it. And this is reason number three. It is so crazy that a streaming service left us during COVID when nobody has anything to do, when people are trying to cope. And a streaming service that started up should have exploded numbers across Twitch, numbers across YouTube, numbers across Disney Plus, a bunch of streaming services saw their numbers skyrocket during COVID. And this thing failed during COVID. That should have been a huge red flag for investors midway through the summer. And now that it's failing and they're having trouble to find a buyer, it totally makes sense. And that's my take on it cuz it's just How do you, how do you fail during COVID? And obviously COVID is a crazy thing, but it's just, it's insane to think about it. It's like, it's like if you're a Subway sandwich place in the middle of Manhattan and there's no food around you for 90, for, for what, let's say 10, 10, miles. There's, there's no sandwich shop near you for 10 miles and you're a Subway, but inside the Subway sandwich, you're putting rat poison and you're like, well, I can't believe I'm not selling any subs. Yeah. Cause you're putting rat poison in your subs. You, you got this whole market share of yourself. You just screwing it up. And yeah, that's my take.
1: I think for a show to have those little five minute bites of content, um, I, it's obvious, obviously it's a, a very pioneering move. No one else has done that before. Uh, short little 25 to 30 minute segments are, are typical for a lot of shows, but an hour long is getting to be more, more, uh, normal. Um, really, I don't think that's enough time to tell a good story. And I don't think that they they loaded it up with, with incredible content to draw people in. Initially, there were just a lot of names attached that were writing content for it. Um, but, I mean, when you think about everything else out there and the amount of uh, content that's in the like the cultural zeitgeist and what's in the normal conversation, Quibi really wasn't a part of that. So that even, if, even if they had the most opportune time to be a streaming service when people are staying at home they have a three month trial to go test this out i mean personally i wouldn't i wouldn't commit to something or i don't i don't have any interest in checking something out for five minute episodes i if i'm going to do that i'll just go watch funny clips on youtube um i i I mean reno 911 was probably the one draw for me but even that i it's just you can just go watch clips of something and it's essentially the same thing. I mean, you're just talking about like a small sketch show um, without any real arc, without any real depth to its content. Uh, because, I mean, how, how deep can you go in, in five-minute chunks? And and maybe that's just what they thought about American attention spans uh, or maybe modern-day attention spans, that it five-minute chunks are best to keep people's attention. But I, I think if you're going to do that, you need to have an enormously popular show um and i i think it's difficult to do that with such a limited amount of time um but i mean the, the the crazy thing is that they were they were um having these public announcements up until the day before or up through the day before that they shut this down i mean 24 hours before the announcement that it was it was done they they put out another major announcement saying that they had um, apps ready for streaming services like Apple TV, like Android TV, like Fire TV. Um, So across the board, they were still putting up the guys that everything was fine. They're getting ready to put out, um, to make it more accessible on these other apps that you have on your TV, on your phone, um, which they knew at that point that it wasn't going to work. Like they knew that there was no point in putting that out there, but they still did it which I think just says more about mismanagement than anything. This it seems like the streaming services version of MoviePass.
0: <laughs> Multipass? No, that's a different reference. But <laughs> <laughs> who do you think is going to buy this company?
1: Because oh, no one.
0: There's... When you think about the big tech companies, John, uh, Google has YouTube, so why? Amazon has Twitch, so why? And then Microsoft had to, had to get rid of Mixer and shut that down, so Microsoft's not in the... Not in the portal. So, what tent company is looking to buy this monstrosity? It's not even got a clear platform. It has. It is miss. It is like it is a big bowl of mac and cheese in all the wrong way. Where it's just like, oh, instead of it being like, yo, I'm gonna put romano, I'm gonna put a a little bit of uh, I'm a little put a, a little bit of some parmesan in here, put a little bit. Of some provolone, tiny beaches out of it. No, they're just like I'm gonna put some brie cheese in this gorgonzola. It's like things that don't go into mac and cheese. Like they, they made Frankenstein's monster uh, out of this thing. And I'm just, I, can you think of one tech company like that would come out and do this? Because the o- I can only think of maybe one person who would try and buy this, and that's maybe elon musk and that's just to completely overhaul it but he i don't think he's very much into social media at all because he's criticized it before
1: yeah no i i don't see anyone buying this i think if anything there there will be um companies or or people that buy up the individual shows for the for the idea of them um but i i don't see anyone i i think everyone's just gonna let quibi die uh, there's there's no way that it's coming back in any shape or form um and really like i'm I'm scrolling through the list of content that these the the original content um for quibi and most of the stuff is listed as pending or um it's it's not even renewed um it's, it's a mini series there are a lot of things that came out uh when it first opened up yeah but it, it there was what was it the um Chrissy Teigen was a big advocate for this and had... She's got this Chrissy's Court. It's like a court TV kind of show. In five um, minutes? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you can't... It's a skit. It's
0: It belongs with Key and Peele, but you gotta do it for 30 minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was Murder House Flip, um, Punked, uh, Singled Out. So they brought back a lot of these old 90s MTV type of shows. Um... I mean, nothing on here sounds appealing at all, and and you can't really get a good pitch across in a in a title when you have a f- piece of five minute content. Um, so yeah, I this this just blew my mind that it even made it this long, that it was a thing at all. Um, I, that brings yeah. that brings up a really good point. I'm here okay.
0: when you're bringing up these things like Tegan Court and Punked and all this other stuff and I'm I'm not about to shit on Punk or anything but you know just take it for what I'm saying you know don't really deep dive into my comment here but it sounds like they tried to make people pay a higher price for garbage television in 5 minutes and people who watch garbage television normally would have a cable package so why would I pay more for Quibi
1: yeah yeah i mean so after the 3 month trial if if you even made it that long um, so they had a a free version that, or not a free version, but it, an ad supported version. Oh, thank um, you. That was four ninety nine, and then um, uh, a paid more of a paid version that was seven ninety nine for I guess uh, no or reduced ads. Um, so I mean five ninety nine is basically, I mean that's pretty close to Disney Plus money, and when you, when you compare the two. I would, I would go Disney Plus every day of the week over Quibi. Uh, you're getting way more content that you're familiar with, that you know is good, um, or is at least just nostalgic um, for your childhood. And with Quibi, there's just so many unknowns. There's just no way that they... It's, it's a very poorly thought out concept that had every opportunity to succeed, had the people, had the content creators to succeed, and just squandered it. And I I don't think we're going to see anything else like this um, with like little five minute segment chunks. But I I do want to ask you, do you think that this is the first domino to fall um, in the the, uh, dozens of streaming services that are out there? Do you think that this is a sign that people want more streamlined content or is it just a fluke?
0: This is absolutely a fluke that was designed by incompetence and executed with just ignorance. Because when I think about it, it's like we're, when I talked about all those things about COVID, like in COVID a streaming service is failing, that should be sign. That's a huge sign. But on top of that, I, some people have said that we have entered, we've been in this golden age of television right now where shows are just blowing up social media shows are starting conversations and you know you go back to the things that start of it like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, which The Walking Dead still going on, probably not a good idea, but it is what it is. Uh you have The Fargo series on FX. You have um so many fantastic. I'm trying to think of more, but like streaming services are doing it. House of Cards did it for Netflix. That's what put Netflix on the on the map. Uh, and it's great. You have Stranger Things. You have shows like The Mandalorian for Disney Plus, which is more of a Star Wars fanboy fever dream. But I'm enjoying it. And You've you got to go back to HBO and what they do. They've been the best in the business at doing this. They did the Chernobyl miniseries. They did Watchmen for one season. You know they're killing it with these shows, and other other networks are trying to follow suit. Amazon with The Boys is fantastic, and they've even done other seasons with like Man in the High Castle. So to say that this is A domino to fall i don't think is correct i think it's a garbage product that was weeded out uh for being garbage if i'm gonna make more analogies if i have a seven course dinner and in the middle of my seven course dinner you put a bag of trash on top of my table i'm gonna be like honey this is the trash part of the meal like everything is is fine dining amazing Three Michelin stars, and then you throw a garbage piece on my table and be like, "Please get this off my table. Is this a joke? What are you doing?" And that's what Quibi is. It should have never happened, especially in this golden age of television. I mean, would you agree that this is a golden age of television, John?
1: Yeah, I think for the first time ever, we have shows that have or that are being produced at the same level of quality that uh, that movies have been made at. And we have these cinematic-level shows, um, which I think has um, has raised our expectations and our standards for a lot of content. Where if it's going to be, um, I don't want to say like cheaply made, but if the budget is lower on it, then we expect better writing, better acting, um, better content for the money that we're that is put into it. Um, whereas if it's it's more if it's more a highly produced show, I think there's a little bit more forgiveness for effects for more of like a visual spectacle um but yeah i i I completely agree and i think we both seem to have very strong opinions about this that uh it was not made to survive in a world like this um 1.7 billion dollars john yes you
0: might as well invest in a bernie madoff account and he's been in jail for like
1: what 15 years yeah, I mean this is like it's the fire fest of streaming services.
0: Ooh, that's a more relevant example, and I feel really fucking old right now. <laughs> I, no, I I used a reference for people who are forty-five and had and who who invested money in their in their adult life, and you use something that nearly every millennial or Gen Zer knows. I feel so stupid. <laughs>
1: Housing market versus party on an island. Meh. Now, I do, I do want to pivot to something that I think at least one of us has very strong opinions about. Um, I, I don't know if I, I'm sure that you've seen this because I, I think we talked about it before. But Zack Snyder has said, brace yourself, that Jared Leto is coming back to film new scenes for the Snyder Cut. Thoughts?
0: i i don't know wh- why this man is doing this like dc fans marvel fans just people who watch suicide squad they didn't like it and i understand that a lot of the jokers uh, uh jared little complained a lot of the scenes were taken out of this movie and he felt like he wasn't in it at all i i totally get it um but i i I want to know why he's bringing Jared Leto into the Snyder Cut. Is it for an Easter egg? Which, if it is, then I, you just spoiled the the most important part of an Easter egg, which is supposed to be like a surprise. Uh, so I, I, you know my feelings on this. the 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 three people who are out there listening to this know my my. my <laughs> this. this is such a weird, and I just such a weird move that I just don't like it's 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 horrendous are are you doing it for marketing I don't I don't know the reason why he would do this and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess here John is that Zack Snyder thinks he can revive something that's dead he's like I'm I'm the greatest filmmaker of the DC universe I was able to get more money to produce my film that I was kicked off of you know what? I'm gonna stick it to him. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put the Joker in there, but not like, I'm not gonna use like just any old Joker. I'm gonna use the most popular one that, in my mind, the one that everyone wanted to see, the one who got snubbed. I'm doing this for the people who saw their content get snubbed, like my movie, Jared Leto. And to that, I say, oh gosh, there's, this is gonna be still I, when you think the snyder cut roller coaster could not get any crazier it just gets crazier and i am so excited to see the reactions of people to this because you know my thoughts and i don't think this is going to be good and i think this is one of the craziest television spectacles or not television spectacles but content like uh, uh just entertainment content out there that's being produced. I, I think it's comical. And by the way, I don't really want hate on Zack Snyder. You know, I don't, I don't hate him as a person. I just hate him as a director and producer. And I find this fascinating.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, I think what he's doing is he's bringing this on to, um, tie in things that he was planning on doing in Justice League two and three. Um, because the, what's been going around is that the joker was supposed to come in um and essentially at one point in the future sequels he was going to work with the heroes to some degree to help stop dark side um they were at least going to be fighting a common enemy um i don't know how true that is or what to what extent his role was actually going to be um but i it seems like he's he's using an opportunity to tie up some loose ends that were presented in Batman vs Superman, and to a degree the Suicide Squad and Justice League. Um, I I mean we we obviously got a lot of good teases because we saw the the Robin suit um, for what we what people thought initially was Jason Todd, but um, has since been confirmed to be um, oh my gosh Dick Grayson, um, which if we're talking about like a, a dead Robin yeah and a um and a red hood type of story we've never seen that before with dick grayson so that was an interesting aside that w- was just completely tossed out the window um because of the future of the dc movies so for them to bring him back into this it, i don't know that it's going to be in any major role but i think it might just be a moment in his mind at least to kind of solidify the the joker that he envisioned initially and that David Ayer was trying to put out with the first Suicide Squad. So maybe it's just about um, like getting the final word in of, of saying, I have control over this content instead of the studio and the editors and everybody cutting this up to, to remove him from most of the movie. This is my chance to say, nope, this is what he was supposed to do. This is how he was supposed to be. Um, this is what I want you to remember him as, which I... If, if that's the case, if he is just trying to say, this is this is who I want you to see the Joker as for Jared Leto, I, I'm i curious, if nothing else. Um, but if it's just a matter of throwing in, like you said, like as many Easter eggs as possible and as many nods to other films, um, and it's not a very deep um, uh, addition to this, I don't know if this is a really good idea then. Because I feel like now it's just getting pretty muddy, and he's trying to fit it seems like now he's trying to fit three different um, movies into this one because they had that three-story arc um, mapped out for the Justice League that it seems like he's trying to cram into a four or five-hour story um, after the fact, which I think is a very unique way of doing it. Um, I, I don't know. Do you think that there is any any world in which the Jared Leto Joker gets redeemed or um, maybe even gets brought back in future films.
0: You know, I I think it's possible. Do I think it's going to happen? I mean, Zack Snyder is doing it right now, but as far as redemption to be good, no. With Zack Snyder at the helm of it, no. I would trust someone like James Gunn to do it, but James Gunn isn't doing that because he's a competent producer and director, and he knows that, Hey, this didn't go so well the last time, so let me get rid of all the things that make this bad. And Zack Snyder looks at that bad pile and is like, "Well, another man's trash is another man's treasure." (laughs) Every time I hear that, I think about that saying and I'm just like, that only applies to like certain things, like when someone throws away a a vintage toy car from the 1950s and it's all rusted out, which someone might say, "Another man's trash is another man's treasure." But guess what? You've got to get that toy restored, and that restoration might, cause, might cost you 700 to $2,000, which I might learn from American Pickers, which means you're going in at a loss. And at one point, it's going to go into a case that you have in your house. And it's going to be there until you die in 30 years because you are a boomer. And then you're going to try and pass it on to your kids, and they're going to see it in the will. They'll be like, this has no value. And then they're going to sell it for maybe ten dollars or they're going to give it to their kids and it's going to get ruined again in which someone's going to have to invest another seven hundred to two thousand dollars yeah i ain't buying it i, I just i don't and I, I just I, another universe where jared leto i think i think you can make jared leto redeemable with this character because when everyone saw the joker they were like oh okay a lot of tattoos a little bit on the side uh what's the word like gangster psychotic type of vibe uh, i mean mobster weirdo like like a modern mobster who's really into like ink yeah i i can get behind that but you've just gotta you gotta give them a story that's interesting in in, the, in this ink world of gangs you know i, I think it can be something incredible because they're just good storytellers out there who can do it. I just think you have people who aren't great storytellers putting this together. And yeah, I, I I think, I think there is a world for Jared Leto's Joker. I I really think it can be done, but not by this man.
1: See, and that's, that's the interesting thing because in the comics, they have just recently had a storyline called the three jokers. Um, And it's basically the premise of it is that we, over the years, from the beginning of Batman to now, there have been multiple versions of the Joker, um, depending on the writers, depending on the storyline. But the Joker has always kind of changed to fit the story and the Batman that they've produced. Um, But what this story did was say, no, there are actually three different Jokers in Gotham City, um, that have been around, and that's why you have all of these different versions of him, is because there are three out there and about right now. Um, so what it did was it unified all of those different stories into one, um, and it really gave a different take on the Joker, um, where rather than rather than saying he has all of these different um, origin stories, and these different versions, it's saying... Uh, each one of these it's, it's a, is its own entity that still exists in the world and contributes in its own way. Like there was a, um, like a, a, like a psychotic killer version. There was the criminal mastermind, and there was one other one I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but uh, one of them was like this long-lived version of the Joker that had been around since before Batman. Um, that has basically always been there in the shadows, kind of orchestrating crime in Gotham. And that eventually brought together the other two Jokers to fight together against Batman. Um, so, what could potentially happen? Um, and I know we there there was talks about this happening when the DC Multiverse first got like even mentioned when they th- talked about doing a Flashpoint movie. Um, there is a potential, and I'm not saying it's a great potential, but there is a chance to at least um, put out there a live action three Joker storyline. Because we have the Walking Phoenix, we have the Jared Leto, and we have the third Joker that's going to be introduced in later versions of um, uh, Robert Pattinson's the Batman uh, version, which probably won't show up until probably the second or third movie. Um, I mean, does that does that concept interest you? Of saying like the Walking Phoenix was the long lived Joker who has been here since the beginning, um, that, that's brought them together. Jared Leto's like that psychotic gangster killer type of version and then we'll we'll be introduced the third one down the road um would that concept interest you at all or is that just not even on your radar would it interest me
0: yeah i would be interested because when you were talking about it in the comic form from the comics i was like there's no way that makes sense but then you were bringing like oh but one of the jokers has been there before batman he's been masterminding this together and he's cool like that's meticulous that's like some star wars palpatine type shit where you're meticulously in the background and your plan is coming together and you're just watching as an audience member watch the dominoes fall until you're like oh my god it, like it's shit's hitting the fan and the The conflict is rising and it's insane. And it takes you on a little bit of a ride. Now, so I just compared uh, the Joker to, you know, a Sith Lord in the prequels, which people hate the prequels. Absolutely. But the thing that really destroys the prequels is dialogue and acting. But there's a great concept there. There's a great storyboard there. It's just, man, the dialogue is terrible. Man, the acting is subpar at times it's just uh it's it's hard to get through because of the chemistry with the with the um with the actors but when i think about a joker comic strip about this i'm like that's pretty cool um because i find the plot behind star wars in some ways really cool it's just execution isn't always the strong feat and then you've seen this in stories before too where there's a master being a mastermind behind it shoot In the DC universe, there's for for Batman himself, it's the Court of Owls. Uh, So it's a story we've seen before, and to see it with three Jokers, you can get a little zany. But man, the you've got to you've got to go back to Zack Snyder on this, because it's a this is a great concept that you bring up from the comic books of competent writers. But Zack Snyder's just putting way too much into this film. Even if he's not going to explore the three Jokers, and maybe they'll bring it up in Flashpoint, you. We've already talked a little bit about Flashpoint Flashpoint and how much is in that movie. Now you're going to introduce three Jokers, maybe, because it's a rumor. My head just explodes. It's way too much. Way too much. Slow it down. Come on, DC. You don't have to go from first base to third base to home run. Chill. Let it settle a little bit. Don't just go all the way in there. Come on. gotta let it gotta let it breathe brah just relax slow your roll and man i don't see that happening which is why this dumpster fire of a film is just gonna be amazing to watch the dc fanboys be like she it's good and the rest of the world go no this is terrible
1: well you know so what's interesting about um the Snyderverse and uh and this i concept of like the whole three jokers thing the the writer in the comics who who came up with the idea and wrote out the three Joker storyline. His name is Scott Snyder. However, they are not actually related to Zack Snyder. Um, but I just thought it was funny that we're talking about three Jokers, Scott Snyder, and then Zack Snyder's bringing back the Jared Leto Joker, which is in at least a small way, cementing him as more of like a, like this is who the Joker actually is in the center verse. Um, and if there's any potential for a three jokers live action storyline i think that'd be i don't know tiny little easter egg but um speaking third,
0: of is the third snyder going to be dan snyder the owner of the washington football team that had to change its name because of sexual uh sexual misconduct allegations and because they're using a racist name for a team yeah
1: you know that could fit it sounds i right could see for that
0: dc's luck is that would be the mastermind that's just ruining this franchise except for scott snyder it's scott, scott snyder just keep on doing what you're doing man
1: yeah so speaking of directors who have kind of run the franchise into the ground mm. the david ayer cut of the suicide squad is apparently a thing uh so you know how suicide squad obviously came under a lot of fire for um a lot of the post-production drama and, um, a lot of the editing that they, I mean, like they edited out a lot of Jared Leto's Joker. Um, David Ayers come out and said that that is not my version of the film that I, I, that was not at all what I intended to put out. Um, but it was, it was out of my hands at that point. Um, so there was, there was like a small underground discussion of like, well, what if David Ayer cut his own version of the film? Um, and then when i think the Snyder cut gained momentum then people more more people started saying well what if, i want a better version of the suicide squad um so david Ayer has recently come out and said that his cut is ready uh, that it apparently exists um, and that it is way better than what we got in in theaters um i i know <laughs> i hear what you're saying already and <laughs> I just I want you to know I don't think that is actually going to ever happen because with with the Snyder cut they're already going out and kind of moving DC in a new direction and so this is just bringing closure to a lot of fans uh, or bring closure to for a lot of fans that have wanted this but with with Suicide Squad they're about to put out a film that's basically like a a semi-continuation of the story They've moved past it. So for them to come back out and say, Oh no no, let's let's bring this let's bring the AR cut of this out, that would be like saying we're gonna go ahead and create a new Justice League movie, but in the meantime, Zack Snyder's gonna come out and give us his version of what he wanted the original to actually be. Um So <laughs> I know I've asked you this before, but is there has your opinion changed and is there any version of in which you, Is there any world in which you would ever want to actually watch The Suicide Squad as directed by David Ayer? Let me preface this by saying that in no way is the studio coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to put this out. Like, this is literally just the director tweeting, hey, I've got this. It's out there. If you guys want to see it, start your own little movement. I, it's him calling for... He, he just wants to... What, what happened to Zack Snyder, he wants that to happen to him. And I don't see that actually happening.
0: Okay. This there right now my brain is thinking of two possible, maybe a third, uh explanation for this. Number one, there is a there is some executive at Warner Brothers who just keeps messing up royally. This is the same guy who is like, hey, my son doing it's gonna do a rendition of Hallelujah for Zack Snyder, which it's the original version I know, ha <laughs> really funny. But it's a terrible rendition. They should have used a different version that they used for Shrek. Anyways, um, that exec who's fumbled everything in the Zack Snyder-ish universe of DC, like if it's that there is some executive who just keeps ruining this franchise, this monolith of storytelling. Someone in there or a group. I don't care if it looks like if it looks like the War Room for whatever old 1950s movie that is out there it's just oh my gosh it's awful it feels like it feels like FIFA is running is running uh, (laughs) a DC and Warner Brothers it's pitiful if anything if you're a fan of DC and my god that's option one option two David Ayer is trying to get on that Zack Snyder credibility and be like oh man I made a really bad film but if I make it better if I if I fake if I if I somehow cheat this fan base into believing me, maybe I'm my second chance in Hollywood and maybe people won't laugh at me anymore. In which that case, that means David Ayer takes all the blame for the first one he's going to try and redeem himself for the second one and it'll work out. Or, thirdly, I don't have a thirdly. I'm just so (laughs) perplexed on one and two that I can't... I was trying to think of a third reason, but I really... It's un fathomable to me that's a word i can't i cannot fathom that's better i can't fathom (laughs) how these events are happening and if david Ayer, if he somehow gets the support from a rather crazy group of fans that want this isn't that just the biggest slap in the face to james gunn who's probably gonna make a better suicide squad you know, well, at that point, what do you do as Warner Brothers? Cuz you're the one who has the property. So Warner Brothers has to be the one to okay it. And Warner Brothers, if I'm not mistaken, is owned by AT&T.
1: So, yeah.
0: What is AT&T going to do? Because they have Warner Brothers, they're putting out the new Suicide Squad, you know, and I just I don't I don't understand. They gave Zack Snyder a movie, and I thought that was insane. Am I insane enough to think that they're gonna give david ayer uh an hair cut of suicide squad especially when suicide squad 2 by james gunn is coming out i just and he's making a show on hbo or not really making the show he's not the showrunner but he's gonna direct and he's written uh he's gonna direct a couple episodes and he's written it he's not yeah. the, the the show running director on it but it's just it's insane to me This it's it's like uh, I'm looking at the circus in in form. This is garbage television, John. This is the garbage (laughs) television of the producing world for movies, and it it's insane to me. It's Jerry it's Jerry Springer, but I don't have I'm not watching Jerry Springer. I'm at the fucking show for Jerry Springer. I'm one the live studio audience. I I I need to get out of this room because this is nuts.
1: No, and again, I don't. I don't see that actually gaining any traction. I think it's him hoping that he'll get the same support um, that that Zack Snyder did. But I think at least with the original Justice League, there was at least a strong enough uh, fan base that stuck with it to to keep the momentum going. I I think with him, one he didn't. He hasn't had any other DC films under his belt to build up any kind of traction, and and he hasn't really. Uh, like he hasn't really shown that he is a competent director with dc films i mean he also did bright on netflix and that was not very well received it was not a good movie and somehow there was a bright 2 coming out eventually and i don't know what's going on with that um but i there's there's no in no world do i see this actually happening where the david ayer cut of suicide squad comes out on hbo max and like a four-hour, five-hour miniseries like the Snyder Cut is. Um, I was genuinely surprised when that actually did happen. But there is no way. Because one one movie like that, you can kind of get away with in saying, you're just appeasing the fans and it's a one-off. But if you come out and you do that for two movies that basically came out sequentially, then you're saying that this is, this is precedented. This is what we're going to do, and this is like a business model at this point, to where if a bad movie comes out and it's not well-received, it gets a do-over. And I, I don't think the studio can afford to ever do that. Um, and it's it's dangerous enough to um, reproduce an entire movie. I mean, we had this the Sonic movie was that the original design was not well-received, and they fortunately had enough time to go back and fix it based on the fan outcry. And that I think was an example of the fans doing the right thing. and then they all came out to see it and it was well received. It got great reviews. it was it made a lot of money. So the fans did their job. They cried out for a change. They got it. They came out and supported it. Um, but I, I think to have a repeated occurrence of this happening in the DC movie universe when you're trying to pivot in a new direction, but yet if you if you did this, then you would just keep um, honoring the movies of the past um i i think it would just send way too many mixed signals and just continue the downward spiral that is dc uh the live action movies so i i don't see i don't see them putting any money into this i don't see them giving it any time of day i think it, if because uh, david ayer can't even put it out on his own it would have to be dc so there's there's no world in, in which this ha- actually happens you
0: want to you wanna play a little game john
1: oh god are, are you gonna play the devil's advocate game
0: no i'm not but
1: okay step on
0: up john our contestant would you like to hear some trivia on david Ayer? come What's... on the imdb trivia are... <laughs> are... Are... Oh, i'm ready john how you feeling uh, a- apprehensive apprehensive just like david Ayer's career here we go what is one of the most famous movies that he's screenwritten for that started a nine movie, going to be eleven movie franchise.
1: Mission Impossible.
0: Ain't wrong. Actually, it would be Fast and Furious. He was one of the screenwriters on Fast and Furious, the original. Oh God. Oh God, indeed. All right, no, the end of that bit, but God, God, the, what a what a film, film filmography for this guy. He wrote and directed Suicide Squad, and he wrote The Fast and the Furious. Oh, wait. The Fast and the Furious, which is the first one, 2001. Oh, how, how does this, how, how, there's, yeah, I I just, you know, like, everyone who's watching, who's listening to this, like, we're just going to continue to dunk on DC for the end of time. It's not going to end, we're going to be in our 70s. We're going to be in rocking chairs. I'm going to have a mic in my rocking chair. And we're going to be still dunking on DC. Like, John, remember that time? Suicide Squad and David Ayer. Remember? I remember. You remember? The (laughs) Enchantress? Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm. My voice actually hurts real life. Go to the next story.
1: (laughs) So speaking of things that are going out to streaming uh oh, man the segues keep coming um marvel investors have been putting pressure on kevin Feige to release the black widow film on disney plus man you got to you got to take a chill pill here um <laughs> now so, at coffin great <laughs> uh so so obviously there has been a big fan outcry to put black widow on disney plus because uh because people just want to see it um, and I think the investors are putting pressure on the studio now because they're losing money, uh, by the day, basically for, uh, without Black Widow being out in theaters or being out streaming to bring in like that premium fee. Um, so do you think that, that Marvel in any way is going to cave in this? Or do you think this is just investors going out to the public and saying, "We well, you need this to happen now?
0: Um, that's a really good question. Uh, and finally, some quality content to talk on here. This is the first like A plus story as far as like a real debacle in the industry. The Quibi thing was shit. Zack Snyder's shit. David Ayer's shit. <laughs> real. This is the real. This is the this is the uh Je ne sais quoi. I don't know what that means, but this is the <laughs> this is the Gucci of of this of the part of the show. We left it for end, which is great. Um,
1: had to add on a good note.
0: This is such a funny this is such a funny show to me. But I I think it's a great question because investors have been pushing for this, fans have been pushing for this. This is a great out. So you've got to be thinking why is Disney not releasing it to Disney Plus? And it could be they'd rather test Disney Plus with other products that aren't Marvel. Cuz so far Marvel has had a pretty decent track record. So with Kevin Feige being the one who's targeted with the pressure, uh, I just want to be a I, I want to be a fly on the wall for what the decisions are because it could be very much like investors are gonna are gonna whine, they're gonna complain, but guess what? Their money's already invested. What you want to sell off your stocks? You want to sell off the money you've invested in this product? Fine, nothing like your money's already in it. People have made bad investments because of COVID and and a bunch of other prospects, but. You're in it for the long haul now. And I know they want to complain and they want to make the moves. But Kevin Feige, he has all the chips right now. He has your money. He put this thing out there. And they're going to wait to see their viewership at its peak to release uh, this movie. And right now, that peak is going to probably happen around WandaVision. Because you're going to have all the Star Wars people come in for Mandalorian. So uh all the star wars people watching the mandalorian season two and then right after that is wandavision which there is some crossover between marvel and star wars fans so can disney just move up and take the slot that it's slated for in 2021 and just say "Hey, we're gonna release it on disney plus they've got to see the numbers there before they make the calculated move they're trying to save investors money if anything they're in it for the like disney's in it for the long haul they can see at the end of the tunnel because guess what investors not only are they operating a theme park in a movie studio they're operating uh cruise lines too disney's taking a massive hit they've got shows they've got people on espn still working out of their home offices with terrible terrible quality people using the microphones on like uh, on their on their earbuds we're not even doing that. And that's crazy to me. People using Zoom calls on ESPN-made content. Like, Disney is is, is in an insane position right now. And investors have just got to ride this wave, in my opinion. It's, if anything, like Disney is just being super careful because all of its other businesses are pointing to the fact that COVID is not going away anytime soon until there is a vaccine
1: see and you brought up an interesting point about peak viewership um and, and when so we have obviously like you said like we have the mandalorian coming out uh, at the end of this week as of this airing when it comes out um then we have wandavision coming out at the end of the year which they're going to kind of dovetail into each other then falcon and the winter soldier is going to kind of is going to come out probably pretty soon after wandavision ends um, then the Loki series, and basically Disney Plus has a series for Marvel lined up on its for its TV shows, uh, almost dovetailing into each other for the foreseeable future. And they're really pushing for that for that Disney Plus content, not only to f- to fill out the streaming service, but to also give um, more long form content for for Marvel. Um, so when you think about like the scheduling of the or the release schedule for their content there's really not a good time to put um, Black Widow out on Disney plus that wouldn't cannibalize on its other viewers. Um, Because I mean, if you put it out in the middle of the WandaVision run, people are going to um, potentially miss out on, on that or on the WandaVision show to go watch um, uh, Black Widow. Maybe that's going to be the thing that takes up their time that week that they would have otherwise dedicated to a Marvel TV uh, show. So there's there's not at least before January or February there's not a good time to release Black Widow out on Disney plus. Um, and after that it's gonna be real spotty and then you're then you're getting into the, the place where you either cannibalize on the theater uh, ticket sales when people start going back out for the next phase four films or you cannibalize on more Marvel TV. So they're really, stuck between a rock and a hard place of we put it out on streaming and it eats up uh the viewership on other content we have there and we lose a lot of money on theater ticket sales for a potentially uh potentially like a premium fee like they did for mulan or they wait it out and they keep delaying Phase Four and they put out the release schedule with the natural three months between marvel films um so i personally, I think they're going to ride it out. I don't think Kevin Feige has any intention of caving to anybody. Um, the The only way that I see, personally, that I see this coming out on streaming is if something catastrophic happens and and theaters end up shutting down for the next year. Um, and if, if Marvel is ready to go and they have content out, but they don't have anywhere to put it, I, I think I think that's basically the only way that this comes out on streaming is if there's no way for them to put it out in theaters. Oh,
0: I don't think so at all. I think think streaming is the way to go. They're just thinking of the right time. But I see your point definitely with movie theaters going away. I just, I got to think that Mulan was like the run of like, all right, let's test it with Mulan, which are our investors. We have investors from China because they want to see this yada 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 all that stuff whereas when it comes to marvel you have a much bigger pot that's going around you have a franchise that you're focusing on so when it comes to releasing black widow you're going to be might much more hyper focused on the market where's the vaccine how long is it taking how are the parks doing this is a myriad of factors to be like are people still being at home? Are they still going to streaming services? Because guess what? You're having products that are coming out on that streaming service anyways, so you're able to still see trends. You get to see trends from how was how is my streaming service doing from the beginning of COVID to the middle of COVID, let's say in the summertime, late summer, and then where is it now in December? These are a really great statistical analysis. This is really great for someone who's, Looking at the production of a show and I would love, once again, love to be a fly on the wall. I would love to be in that meeting to say, how well is Disney Plus performing? How well are we going to be able to capture an audience in this? And so that's where I take, that's where I take a lot of my thought process and putting in that this thing has to come out in streaming. Disney is just meticulously watching and seeing when's the right time to release it on streaming. I know they pushed it back. They're saying it's going to come out in theaters. They have no that Disney has almost no uh, obligation to put it out in theaters. And Mulan is a different story. I think, I think Mulan has to, has to come out on uh, a streaming services. Cause it's probably different. investors be like, put out, put it out now, put it out now. And is at China's open up, they're going to the theater, send that there. And, you know, it failed. It absolutely failed. And yeah, I just, I don't see this coming out in theaters.
1: See, and, and I think that there's a better chance for it to come out on streaming once they actually have some Marvel TV out on Disney Plus And they have, they have a precedent to say, look, our content on here is drawing a lot of people there's a huge demand for Marvel TV shows, Marvel content on Disney+. Plus. So the market is there. And I think that more than COVID, more than anything else, I think that is what's going to convince them um, to put it on Disney+. Plus. But I think if there's a lot of pressure from theaters to to reopen and to get back to, to business, um, I don't think that they're going to pass up theater ticket sales over a streaming uh, opportunity unless they know for sure that the revenue is not going to be there for for theaters um, because it I, I definitely think there's a much wider audience for black widow than there is for Mulan and we were saying from the beginning or at least I was that um, Mulan was not the movie to to test the market with um, for premium streaming fees I I think if anything, Soul would be a good option because it's a pretty neutral Disney Pixar film. Um, but I think Black Widow would have been a better option once they know that the market and the demand is there. Um, but I, I, like I said, I don't think we're going to see an option for that until early spring of next year based on what other content they're releasing and the schedule they have. Um, so it, we're going to have a wait no matter what. It's not going to happen in the next month or two. Definitely not going to happen by the end of 2020, um, maybe early 2021, if if things really aren't looking up for theaters, because AMC has been saying they're going to be dead in the water by the end of the year, and um, and so that's going to be Regal and AMC down, and that'll be the two two biggest theater chains in the country out, out of business until we have blockbusters again, and I, I think that if Disney starts releasing their content on streaming rather than theaters, that's going to be another nail in the coffin for for theaters getting back to business as usual
0: yeah i 100 percent agree and if there's any final message to go out on it's definitely like for these big tech companies these big entertainment companies look at quibby don't be quibby <laughs> don't be the old media in in like wearing the mask of like new media don't do it because you're ultimately going to fail and just ruin yourself and i understand investors and i understand it sounds kind of counterintuitive for me to say like uh to be like don't be like quibi and then also say disney is gonna release it on streaming but they need to wait it sounds very hypocritical but by god there's so much analytics into it and viewership is is a huge thing because guess what when they dropped mulan no one was using disney plus people will be using disney plus at the peak of viewership coming at the end of december
1: yeah i think that's fair i think that's that's a very valid point saying that there's a bigger market uh, depending on the time of year and Chris, um people are not in school like come on you can't think of a better i'm gonna watch
0: you, you someone's away from college and now they're coming back home and it's like hey my my younger brother and sister are are, are opening up gifts and i've been away at college let's watch wandavision together you know that's just that's that's what's gonna happen oh and black widow's out yay it's a santa christmas miracle
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely i would agree with that i think i think that's a possibility um but time will tell i mean theaters may i don't know we'll see the vaccine is definitely going a big big Going to play a big part of this, uh, people's uh, people sticking with the, I mean, sticking with CDC guidelines and uh, doing what they need to to get back to life as we used to used to know it. Um, I, I think it's in all of our hands. We, we all have to be responsible, and uh, if we want to get back into theaters, we have to do everything we can to make sure that actually happens. But I'm going to get off my soapbox. Uh, I think. I think we have a lot to look forward to. We had a lot to talk about, obviously. Uh, so, who knows what the future holds for DC and Marvel, but we do know what it holds for Quibi, and that is absolutely nothing because Quibi is dead. Long live Quibi. Um, thank you guys for tuning in this week. We will be back next week. Chris will be in the driver's seat, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.